Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Michael Serapio, and welcome to our special coverage of today's fall economic statement. As expected, the government's financials are stronger than originally predicted last April. That's when the finance minister tabled her 2022 budget. Let's take a look at the numbers right now, because as it stands, the federal deficit for fiscal 2022-23 is expected to come in at $36.4 billion. That is better than the original forecast of $52.8 billion. And based on Current projections, the government will have a balanced budget by fiscal 2027-28. Now, these better-than-expected numbers are all due to rising government revenues thanks in large part to inflation, but it is inflation and the global pressures pushing it up that might also signal tough times ahead for Canadians. And in releasing her numbers, the finance minister also had a warning. Let's take a look. It's important, as both the Deputy Prime Minister and the Minister of Finance, et into the world. With that, let's take a closer look now at the economic update and bring in CPAC's Martin Stringer. You know, Martin, I talked about the deficit. Talk to us now about the other key numbers today, in particular the debt, the GDP ratio, and really against all of those numbers, the possibility that they may be really off. Well, that's right, Michael. One of the important things is that in the documents that the government released today, there is a, you quoted what was called the baseline scenario, but the government made a point of also releasing what it calls the downside scenario, and that's in case the government, the uh, economy goes into a deeper and faster recession. In that scenario, the downside scenario, they say that the deficit this year would be closer to $49 billion and that we wouldn't be out of deficit until 27-28. So a much more serious scenario that nobody is ruling out. Now, uh, some of the other things that were included in the uh, forecast, as you mentioned, uh, the government is, fine, is predicting a national or federal debt of $1.18 trillion. That is for this coming fiscal year. It's also forecasting, though, a slight improvement in the debt-to-GDP ratio. That's going to be down to 42.3%. And in the better-case scenarios, the government is forecasting that that debt-to-GDP ratio could go down to about 37.3% in 27-28. In terms of the bigger economy, uh, obviously the government faced with the possibility of recession is ratcheting down its uh, growth estimate. It's now estimating that on an annualized basis that the, the economy would only grow 
by 0.7% next year. And in terms of unemployment, it is forecasting about 6.1% unemployment next year. Okay, all that po pointing to the possibility of shelf times ahead. Uh, but I do wonder, uh, a hard landing versus a soft landing, as it's referred to in the finance documents. Talk to us about how the government is proposing to help our Canadians as a result, because there certainly are uh, affordability measures that the finance minister outlined in the document today. Well, that's right, Michael, and uh, targeted measures again, uh, significant ones. Uh, one of them uh, concerns working Canadians, lower-income working Canadians. The government's announcing about a $4 billion over six-year improvement in uh, what's called the Canada Workers' Benefit. Those benefits will now become automatic, so they're being accelerated to uh, lower-income working Canadians. Also, another measure that was announced was eliminating totally the interest on Canada student loans and Canada apprenticeship loans. So that is being eliminated. That's worth about $2.7 billion over five years. Now, there's also money that's been set aside to help, uh, I guess, speed up some government services. Talk to us about that. Well, uh, the story of this government during the pandemic has been certain departments which have been just overwhelmed. So it's good news to know that the uh, that there's going to be a major infusion of cash uh, to the immigration department. This week, we saw the minister announce new immigration levels of about uh, 500,000 immigrants by 2025. So the immigration department, I'm just looking for the figures, is going to get an extra $1.6 billion. And also, remember, Service Canada, remember the passport offices, uh, Canada Border Service Agency, uh, the uh, Canada Revenue and Veterans Affairs are also going to get a major infusion of about $2.2 billion over four years. So cash to those very uh, resource-starved departments. Yeah, and you know, before you go, we also need to talk about the United States because the U.S., uh, funnily enough, did influence this update. Uh, and that's because south of the border, as people may remember, the Biden administration, they pushed through the Inflation Reduction Act back in August. And that's basically a mixture of taxes on wealthy individuals and corporations, but also billions of dollars committed to supporting industries that help combat climate change. So how did the finance minister address that as it has been identified as an economic challenge? Right, and there's a lot of pressure to match those American uh, those American subsidies. The minister has announced a new subsidy. It's a clean tech subsidy. It does not concern carbon capture. Uh, the credits that were announced in the last budget in the spring uh, are untouched, but there was a lot of pressure to raise the credits uh, because the Americans had. She hasn't touched that, but she's announced this new carbon, uh, this new clean uh, tech credit. Uh, that's 20%, and if you can prove that you've created substantial jobs, it can go up to 30%. She's also announced uh, something called a 2% tax on stock buyback plans. Now, that's a bit complicated, but this is for corporations that buy back their employees' stock, increase the stock uh, price of their employees, the whole stock, and it's a way of giving money to their employees. Well, with a tax on that, the theory is that that will increase the incentive on companies to be more productive, to invest in capital, in equipment, and hopefully clean technology. One last measure, it's not, uh, it's not come forward yet, but the government mentioned that it's promising a clean hydrogen tax credit, and that will come in the spring Hey, Martin, thank you for walking us through all that. Really appreciate it. Well, with more, we're now joined by Randy Boissonneau, the Liberal MP for Edmonton Centre. He's also the Associate Minister for Finance and the Tourism Minister as well. Minister Boissonneau, thank you for being here. So the update sets up some very positive numbers, but it also outlines a scenario that's not as rosy. Should we really be focused on those numbers? Should we really expect some tough times ahead? Well, Michael, that's a really good question. I think what the fall economic statement today says is there's 
three ways to look at the document. First, supports to Canadians, for those who need it the most during these times of rising cost of living. A fiscal prudent plan that shows us on a, you know, with a fiscal anchor to getting to a really good balanced budget in, in 27, but also making sure that we have a, an economy that's competitive around the world. And so we wanted to be upfront with Canadians. We wanted to show the base case, which is the case that finance gets by blending all of the predictions of all of the uh, economists at the banks and uh, companies here in Canada. But we wanted to show Canadians that, based on some unpredictability around the world, that there is a downside case. And we wanted to show that to Canadians. But I can tell you, our economic fundamentals are strong. We have 400,000 more Canadians working than we did at the beginning of the pandemic. The lowest deficit in the G7, the lowest debt-to-GDP ratio in the G7, and our economy is 103% large like about what it was before the pandemic so there's good economic fundamentals there are going to be some tough times coming ahead due to global inflation and that's why our focus is making sure that we have affordability supports in place for those canadians who need it the most okay so fundamentals supports as you lay out but you know when canadians hear tough economic times the, the big question is whether or not there's going to be a recession we know that the financial conditions that essentially inform this update are back in september at the time the survey i think uh, there was roughly, what, a 40% probability of recession? Uh, we know that interest rates have gone up, inflation has barely come down. So is recession more likely now? But it's not a question necessarily more likely because we still, there's still some uncertainty in what the global economy is going to throw at us. And look, the question is, how long does Russia continue its illegal war in Ukraine? How long does China continue with its zero COVID policy? How long before supply chains reorient themselves after the pandemic? And so we wanted to make sure that the downside case was in there. And look, is a recession possible? Yes. Is it probable? That's still the question. But we wanted to be upfront with Canadians. And Michael, what I can tell you that we will do is we will update this scenario in Budget 23, and we'll have a much better idea of where we are by the time uh, we're at Budget 23. Okay. So, so a possibility, uh, some challenges to use the words that we heard the minister. But you know, these inflationary pressures they have, as you know very well, resulted in uh, more revenue for the government in terms of a greater uh, taxation and what was into government coffers. So after that, should, and knowing that there's going to be tough times ahead, should that surplus have been applied to more measures to help the average Canadian, like, for example, uh, removing the GST and heating, as the NDP suggests, or foregoing the plan increase in the carbon tax, as the Conservatives are suggesting? Well, I think if we take a look at where the revenues came from, they came from hardworking Canadians whose businesses and small businesses are doing well, and quite frankly, the reason that they're able to do well is because we invested half a trillion dollars in our economy, in Canadians, in provinces, in communities to get us through the pandemic. And so what we're seeing now is the benefit of the economy doing well. And so we thought we need to be fiscally prudent. That's why we're putting so much of the, the new revenue to the bottom line. So we have that very low deficit. It's also why we're focusing those supports on Canadians who need it the most. And, and Michael, I think you have the list, right? We're forgiving, we're eliminating student debt. We're going to have a sustainable jobs fund. We've got several measures to make housing more affordable. And we're also going to make sure that those supports don't add fuel to the inflationary fire. So that's the, those are the brackets that we're in. And we think we've hit a really good note to support Canadians to position us for the future economically, but also to have a, a good fiscal track. Okay, but, but as you laid that out, those are obviously targeted supports. They do help students. They do help low-income households. But what do you then say to middle-class households? Because they too, the middle class are 
dealing with higher costs for things like groceries, gas, and home heating. How does this update help that? So the, I mean, if we take a look at the fall economic statement, it's not in isolation, right? We had the doubling of the GST, and those checks are going to hit people's bank accounts uh, tomorrow, or they'll be in the mail as of tomorrow. We also have the $500 housing top-up and the dental supports that are going to go out to kids. I think it's half a million kids uh, under 12 years old. Those supports are going to help the middle class and vulnerable Canadians. And, Michael, we got to build this into cutting child care fees in half and the Canada Child Benefit, those of which those particular benefits are indexed to inflation. So if you take a look at all the supports we've put in place, we're very focused on affordability. And then the investments we're making in the economy are going to position us when we get out of this you know, inflationary cycle to really compete on the world stage. And that's why the Canada Growth Fund is so important. That's why the, the uh, tax credits for uh, clean tech and also clean hydrogen are really important to position Canada for the future. Okay, you mentioned the Canada Growth Fund, but before the Canada Growth Fund, there was, initiated by, again, the Trudeau government, uh, the Canada Infrastructure Bank, and that was to encourage private investment in public projects. It's not performed as well as originally sold. How do you ensure that the Canada Growth Fund will do better, given that we have in the United States an Inflation Act that does heavy investments into green industries? I love the question, Michael, and I will be the first to say that the Canadian Infrastructure Bank was too narrowly scoped when it came out of the gate, and we've sort of, we've given them more scope. What's different about the Canada Growth Fund is a couple of things. It's going to be entirely outside of government. It's going to be stood up quickly. It's going to have an independent council of governors to oversee it. But it's $15 billion from us that's going to crowd in. 45 billion more, that's a 60 billion dollar fund to invest in electrifying our, greening our electricity grid, green investments around the country, small nuclear reactors. These are the kind of things that we need to do in this country to compete with the Americans and others at scale. And we're going to make sure the Canadian companies want to stay home and that international companies want to set up right here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Does it do enough to, to meet the challenge of the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States? Uh, you know, your own, your own colleague, Mr. Wilkinson, said that that uh, Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. created this uneven playing field. Does the policies talked about today address that, that imbalance? It's a great question, and there's a line right in the fall economic statement that the statement today is to ensure that we create a level playing field vis-a-vis -vis the Americans. And the other thing we can say is that today's fall economic statement is a down payment. So we're going to continue to calibrate. We're going to continue to work with industry. We're going to make sure that uh, there's a, a bright future, not just for Canadian businesses, but for Canadian workers. And that's our job, and we're, we're going to get that pour les travailleurs canadiens. C'est notre rôle et on sait comment faire. Merci beaucoup. Merci d'être des nôtres. Conservative leader le Pierre Poilievre responded to the economic update in the House today. Take a listen to what he had to say. So we're going to cap government spending. We're going to get the, government, the Bank of Canada back to its core mandate. You know, for 25 years, the Bank of Canada had a very simple mandate. 2% inflation brought in by the Maroney government. Stick to 2%. Infl interest rates, money supply were all governed to that purpose, and it worked. It worked until this Prime Minister came along and pushed the bank to print cash to pay for his spending. We're going to have no more of that. We will fund our programs with real money rather than printed cash because we know that there are no freebies in this world and we know that ultimately the taxpayer and the consumer pay for everything. We will reinstate that mandate and we will audit the central bank through the Auditor General to make sure that never again is there such a, a horrendous abuse of our money as we have seen, seen over the last. Il y a vu qu'on voit depuis les dernières années.
au lieu de créer plus de fonds, on va cultiver plus d'aliments, construire plus de logements et produire plus de ressources ici, au Canada également. Et voici comment on va incentiver les municipalités à rétablir leurs propriétés propriétés and seniors, and no new spending unless matched by equal savings. Today, this inflationary scheme triples, triples, triples the tax on home heat, gas, and groceries, and adds $20 billion of inflationary spending that will drive up the cost of living, and so Conservatives will stand for the common people, their paychecks, their homes, their savings, and we will vote against this inflationary state. I'll join us now is Stephanie Cousy. She is the Conservative MP for the riding of Calgary Midnapore. She's also a member of the Standing Committee on Government Operations and Estimates. Ms. Cousy, nice to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Now, the government did have higher revenues than expected. I'm wondering, from your point of view, are they using that extra revenue well? Well, what is apparent to me, Michael, is that this government has not learned that you can't spend your way out of an inflationary crisis, and they need to learn this. I mean, we see a $36.4 billion deficit in fiscal year 22-23. We see $6.1 billion of new spending, and this is at a time where Canadians are struggling to buy groceries, they're struggling to put gas in the tank, and they need immediate relief now. So you can't spend your way out of an inflationary crisis, and this so that extra money, what would have that been used for under a conservative government? How would you like to have seen that money used? Well, under a conservative government, our leader has pledged that there will be no new taxes. We want to continue to reduce the deficit even further and fundamentally work towards eliminating our debt. I'm sure you know as well that $34.7 billion will be servicing debt in the fiscal year 2020. 2023. The first thing is that it's too little, too late. Secondly, a lot of these programs seem as though they're building upon programs which have not been successful for this government, such as the 
uh, first-time uh, home benefit, for example. Alors, so it seems as though they're building on programs which were shown to not have great take-up from Canadians. And my third concern with this budget is that it's a lot of consultation. Alors, I think the concept potentially of uh, lowering credit card fees for small and medium-sized businesses is excellent, uh, but this government just says they're starting in the consultation phase, and with this government, Michael, we've seen a lot of consultation and not a lot of action. So if I had to now, part of this budget as well is meant to address uh, a bit of the environmental challenge, the economic challenge uh, being presented by the Biden administration in the United States. As, as you know, that they have adopted this Inflation Reduction Act, which makes a whole bunch of green investments, almost to the tune of $400 billion. Given that they, that creates a bit of an uneven playing field for Canadian companies, do you think the government is doing enough to address that challenge? Is it important to address that challenge? Well, I would say that I was very relieved today Alors, to not see a windfall tax included within the statement. I know that as, as late as yesterday, uh, even the Green Party had a question on this, and so I was getting nervous that this would be part of the package, but it does not appear to be so. And secondly, I think when we look at the reasons, or even the reason I would say that Canada is in a better economic position, that it is not even more dire, it's largely a result of our natural resources sector. And so I certainly think it's always important to look for new types of energy, to uh, move along the energy continuum, if you will. But I also think we have to appreciate what we have right now and what the world needs. And that's natural resources. And so I think that certainly while we can continue to look at new types of energy, we can't forget about the natural resources sector and what is, that has done for our nation. Now, uh, the minister did not use the word but I am asking just about everybody I speak today, are we headed towards that? Do you think that we are going to be this time next year in the midst of a recession? Well, unfortunately, Michael, the majority of Canadians believe so. In fact, 30% of Canadians believe that we are currently in a recession, and 53% of Canadians believe that we will be in a recession next year. So I certainly can understand the government's desire to not frighten Canadians to sort of want to quell the concerns that are out there. But unfortunately, Michael, everything indicates a recession coming our way. Stephanie Cousy, really appreciate the time. Thank you for this. Thank you for having me, Michael. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Jagmeet Singh is the leader of the federal NDP. He joins us now to talk about the fall economic statement. Hello, Mr. Singh. Hello. So the uh, statement, as you know, makes mention of the measures your party has made a condition of your supply and confidence agreement. Are you therefore happy with what you heard? The measures that, that we've made happen, we're, we're happy because we've delivered on what we promised. We, we campaigned on dental care. Canadians are getting dental care. We fought to double the GSC rebate. Canadians will start receiving that tomorrow. And so folks that do get the GSC rebate should see a significant increase tomorrow. And rental supports are, are on the way for Canadians. So these are things that we've got for Canadians, and we're happy that we were able to deliver on what we promised that we would do. But when it comes to the fall economic statement for a Prime Minister who said he would have Canadians' backs, he's really turned his back on Canadians with the real challenges people are faced with, rising cost of energy, rising cost of food, uh, 
with the pressures of the inflation, high interest rates, and a potential recession, nothing really in the fall economic statement speaks to the urgency of dealing with those looming crises or those ongoing crises. Okay, so those those are the issues you would like to have seen addressed, but how would you have addressed them? Well, a couple of things. We've long been calling for a windfall tax, something that the European Union, United Kingdom, and Spain have all done to deal with the record profits the oil and gas sector are making and use that revenue to actually help Canadians out. This is something that the CEO of the International Shell Company, which is very odd for a new Democrat to be quoting the, the CEO of Shell, but he himself said with the high energy uh, profits that we're making, we think the government should tax us and use that money to help people that are having a hard time with the cost of energy. We agree. And so that's something that we would do. We would put in place a clear plan around reforming EI. In the case of a recession, we need to make sure that EI is there for Canadians and that people, if they lose their job, have some support. We want to see investments in healthcare. And we know that that's a serious problem right now. We're hearing story after story about long wait times, about provinces that are really hurting when it comes to health care. And the federal government is not even stepping up. The prime minister is not even meeting with the premiers on health care. So these are some of the things that I would have liked to have seen and I would have done as prime minister, respond to the health care crisis, make sure we're dealing with real supports for Canadians, tax the, the uh, windfall profits, uh, the excess profits of these large corporations, and deal with how we can give Canadians some support over this upcoming winter. Well, I guess uh, up against that, though, is essentially this this uh, message of restraint that we're hearing from the government right now because they say that there are tough economic times ahead. Is that not a consideration? What do you think about uh, how they are preparing in that way uh, to meet on uh, any kind of economic downturn? Well, we agree that there's going to be uh, real serious economic uh, struggles in the future. But what we need to do is take lessons from other countries around the world who acknowledge that and said, well, we can pay for the investment in people by a windfall tax. It's a real legitimate process, a legitimate strategy to look at the excess profits of some of these sectors and use that revenue to give people some help. Uh, many countries have announced, like Spain, help for, for, for their citizens over the winter with energy prices. Uh, we've seen Germany do the same thing. And we believe that's what Canada should be doing. We've been calling for things like getting the GST off of home heating, but there's no relief in this beyond what we've already fought for and achieved to give Canadians some comfort over a difficult future, the winter that's going to be cold, energy prices that are rising, and a healthcare system that's in shambles. Mm -hmm. You know, I also want to talk about the government's environmental initiatives, uh, investments essentially to encourage green investments and industries uh, to set up in this country. Is the government doing enough to meet the challenge of the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, given all they are giving right now in terms of tax credits to try to get green companies in the U.S. rather than countries like Canada. Well, these are some of the measures that I'd say are positive. There are measures that actually flow directly from our agreement. So the trainings, the incentives for investment. One of the things I have to point out is, for the first time ever, we've long been saying that investments in uh, money to go towards encouraging investment should also come with strings attached. For the first time ever, those strings are going to be attached uh, the 30% credit will go to companies that actually have clear commitments to jobs, to apprentice, to actually tying it into a benefit for Canadians. And if they don't have those strings attached, they'll lose 
the full amount of the credit, which is probably the first time we've seen something like that with real strings attached. That's something that we push for, and we're, we're happy to see that in that. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I'm wondering, based on what you have seen and not seen, does any of that affect your decision to, to support the government with your agreement? Well, we're not going to give up just because we don't see the things that, that we want. Uh, when we first brought forward the idea of a GST rebate, the government said no. Conservatives came out against it. And tomorrow, Canadians are actually going to receive that GST rebate. So we didn't stop fighting for Canadians. We didn't give up. And we were able to get something done that's going to make a difference in the lives of nearly 12 million Canadians who can receive up to $500 in We are not going to give up fighting for people. We're going to keep on putting pressure. We're disappointed that the fall economic statement doesn't meet the, the challenges that Canadians are up against, and we're going to keep on fighting to make sure the government listens to what people need. And, uh, Mr. Singh, I always appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Jagmeet Singh, leader of the federal government. David McDonald is a senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. He was actually in the lockup today with our team as the economic update was released for early viewing. So, David, thank you for being with us really all day and joining us once again right now. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Now, we had some idea going into this update today about the details, the, the issues that the government wanted to highlight with this update. Anything stand out for you? One of the things that was legitimately new was this uh, permanent now forgiveness of student loan interest. This was something that uh, was done on a temporary basis during the pandemic, but now it seems like it'll be permanent. It doesn't go as far as what happened in the U.S., where you saw a forgiveness of the exception student uh, loans of $15,000 in the U.S. We're not seeing that here. Um, this is sort of the, the minimum, I suppose, uh, that they could do uh, on this file, um, but still taking some, uh, you know, an interesting new step, something we saw during the pandemic. One of the other pieces I thought that was interesting uh, was this new tax on uh, share buybacks. This is a technical way that companies can take the profits that they have made and pay them to investors. And so it's a recognition that if that's what companies are doing, they're not taking those props and reinvesting in the economy and their own companies to make their companies and the economy more productive. And I think it reflects the skepticism of this government and this could protect potentially the NDP influence of the corporate sector, that initially the corporate sector in the early 2000s got huge corporate tax cuts. Uh, they said that they were going to invest that in the economy and in their companies. It didn't really work out that way. And so we're seeing higher corporate income tax rates on the banks, which was introduced in the spring budget. And then this new sort of slightly higher tax on, or, or tax at all, frankly, on, on share buybacks. It's actually twice the amount that they introduced in the U.S., a 2% versus the American tax Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the minister uh, did say that she believes Canada is well prepared to meet any economic challenges ahead, and that is what we're being prepared for, economic challenges. Do you, do you agree with that assessment, given our fundamentals when you compare to the economic performance of other uh, G7 countries? How well positioned is Canada to deal with an economic storm? Certainly when it comes to the uh, downturn and recovery of the pandemic, um, you know, Canada was decidedly mid-range, certainly in the last quarter, we performed better, uh, but you're sort of cherry-picking the last couple quarters, even though it's the budget uh, In terms of inflation, our inflation has been high, but it certainly hasn't been as high as we're seeing in European countries that are facing much higher natural gas prices than we are here, and therefore much higher power uh, electricity prices in general. 
si les choses Uh, there has been a big uh, EI uh, consultation over the course this year to try to figure out how we can improve EI post-pandemic. Uh, this was an opportunity to put some of those pieces into play, uh, but that's not what happened. And so in terms of preparing for the next recession, we are going into it with the same EI system we went into the last recession with, with, which was inadequate at that point. Like it would really, again, appreciate your time today. Thank you for talking to us. Now, two people who were following the economic update quite closely are former Liberal Minister Anne McFarlane and former Conservative Minister Lisa Ray, who now work together for the Coalition for a Better Future. Ms. McFarlane, Ms. Ray, thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Our pleasure. <laughs> Our pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I want to, oui, be, uh, to begin Merci. with what you think are the strengths of this update, what you heard today from Ms. Freeland. Uh, Ms. Ray, I'll ask you to start us off. Sure. First of right. all, what I can say is I clearly get the impression from the finance minister that she understands the urgency that we're currently facing the recession as a result of those kinds of discussions, we really do focus on whether or not the default economic statement had much in there when it came to setting out what a plan would look like. One part that was positive was the fact that they did show that there's urgency and that they have to at least be competitive with the United States when it comes to some of the subsidies that they are creating for their economy. But there's also an urgency that needs to be carried through. So we'll be watching to see what happens in March. I would agree with what Lisa said. Chapter 2 of the fall economic statement 
statement is entitled Jobs, Growth and an Economy that Works for Everyone. We at the coalition talk about inclusive, sustainable economic growth. And I think this chapter speaks to both inclusion in terms of workforce, talent, training of talent, sustainability clearly in terms of whether it's tax measures or other kinds of tools to drive the clean tech economy, whether it's hydrogen, solar, wind, whether it's small nuclear reactors, money to improve the permitting process for major projects. So all of that speaks to donc ceci vise une croissance viable et durable, une croissance économique à long terme, c'est ce qu'il faut, donc nous qu'il y a des défis que les Canadiens doivent affronter, mais nous à la coalition comprenons qu'il faut mettre en œuvre les conditions qui permettent une croissance économique à long terme, sinon nous allons tous souffrir. Merci, je vais reprendre le challenge administration when they essentially passed the Inflation Reduction Act back in August. Do you think that challenge has been met? It seems that you want to hear more from the government. What exactly are you looking for? Well, they themselves indicate les modifications réglementaires, financer les agences réglementaires pour faire bouger les projets, c'est une très bonne chose. Et aux États-Unis, on ne le voit pas cela. Il y a des investissements aux États-Unis dans les projets, mais pas dans la facilitation des projets, si on peut exprimer comme tel. Au Canada, le gouvernement va essayer de rationaliser les cadres réglementaires. Donc voilà, c'est une première étape et nous espérons de voir dans une deuxième étape de meilleures mesures pour répondre aux défis posés par la loi américaine. I think, relatively speaking, uh, yes, absolutely. You saw that the government, in fact, oui, uh, got more revenues than it had expected. Uh, and that's both good and bad, those revenues being driven by an inflated price for oil and other commodities that we export around the world and corporate profits. But uh, I think it's uh, fair to say that uh, there's no question that uh, we, we are, relatively speaking, better off. We're better off than we expected enfin, to be even six parlant, months ago. In many, if you look at the macro numbers in the budget, uh, uh, so they have the means. If they have to provide a bigger cushion uh, for either individuals or perhaps for the economy more generally, yeah, they're in a position to do that. But we have to balance that against the impact that 
il faut équilibrer ces coussins possibles avec l'incidence sur l'inflation. Et Mme Freeland sait très clairement que tout ce qu'on doit investir dans l'économie doit viser les gens qui ont les plus grands besoins parce que sinon on agit en contrepoids aux efforts contre... On agit à l'encontre des efforts de la Banque du Canada. Il y a deux jours, le gouvernement a annoncé qu'il y aura 500 000 nouveaux immigrants d'ici 2025, parce que beaucoup de gens demandent où sont les talents qu'il nous faudra. Eh bien, un grand nombre de ces gens talentueux, ces gens nécessaires, viendront des nouveaux immigrants. Nous nous positionnons bien pour une croissance économique à long terme. Madame Wright, la ministre a dû relever un défi difficile. Elle devait s'attaquer aux besoins d'un court terme ainsi qu'un plan économique à long terme. Nous allons mesurer les résultats du gouvernement. Nous avons 21 indicateurs qui pourront donner une bonne idée de la prestation du Canada par rapport au reste du monde dans la préparation pour une croissance économique viable, durable et inclusive. Je n'essaie pas de critiquer le gouvernement. Nous devons pouvoir mesurer le fonctionnement de ces politiques. Si ces politiques fonctionnent, c'est bien, on le verra dans les indicateurs. Mais s'ils ne fonctionnent pas, il va falloir changer l'approche. La coalition a des groupes tellement diversifiés. Il y a des gens de partout du Conseil canadien des affaires, par exemple, des communautés qui nous disent ce qui se passe sur le terrain et qui nous aident à voir comment nous pouvons faire mieux pour avoir cette croissance. À long What terme, type of reaction you're getting from government officials when you talk about the, the coalition and what you're hoping to achieve? Are they open to your message? Are they hearing what you're saying? We think so. Before the budget 2022, we had the opportunity communiquer le message qu'ils font un plan économique qui assure une croissance à long terme. Ce plan doit être inclusif, personne ne doit être laissé pour compte, il doit être viable et durable. Et il faut maintenir l'ambition d'arriver à la carboneutralité d'ici 2050. On nous a entendu, écouté et nous espérons et nous aimons croire qu'une certaine partie de ce qu'on entend dans cet énoncé vient de ce que la coalition a recommandé. Nous sommes tout à fait heureux de recommencer nos entretiens à chaque fois que les ministres aimeraient nous parler du budget de 2023. La mise à jour est maintenant présentée. Nous nous sommes encouragés, nous voyons des mesures qui s'attaquent à un bon nombre de questions qui nous intéressent. Mais voilà, ça c'est aujourd'hui. L'énoncé économique a été présenté en regardant vers l'avant, vers le budget 2023. Donc quel est votre message 
ne perdez pas de vue le but d'une croissance économique à long terme. Ils parlent de l'innovation, de concurrence. Nous devons être concurrentiels avec les États-Unis sur le plan de l'innovation. Donc voilà, il faut le suivi. Ça ne suffit pas de dire qu'on va faire quelque chose. Il faut le faire et puis il faut mesurer l'effet de ce qu'on fait. Nous sommes un organisme non-partisan. À la tête, il y a une libérale et une conservatrice. Donc, nous pouvons parler à, à tout le monde et nos portes sont ouvertes à tout le monde qui veut nous parler de leur point de vue sur la croissance à long terme et le développement économique. C'est ce qui sera la priorité pour la plupart des dirigeants du pays. Merci, Lisa Raitt, Anne McClellan. Merci beaucoup. Merci à vous. Now we heard from CPAC's Martin Stringer Nous avons entendu Martin Stringer au début de notre programme spécial. Il s'est entretenu avec Robert Asselin, le vice-président principal au Conseil canadien des affaires, pour avoir son son de cloche. Monsieur Asselin, quelles sont vos réactions à cette mise à jour financière J'aurais deux observations générales. Premièrement, sur la prudence budgétaire, il y a un petit manque de concordance entre la rhétorique du ministre et les... So I wouldn't characterize this as fiscally prudent, in my opinion. The second general observation is on competitiveness. What, is, what are the measures put in this update to make Canada more competitive vis-à-vis What has been done in the U.S. lately, for example, with the big Inflation Reduction Act and the massive uh, investment in initial policy in the U.S., I would say it's a good first start, maybe with tax credits, but it's still a timid one compared to the U.S. I would say also that this is a lack of clarity on which sectors we think we can be competitive in. So I think this needs to be developed further. And To be fair with the government, they said they would come back in the next budget with more details. One of the big things announced in this budget is a 2% tax on stock buybacks by companies, and it's argued that that could be put up to the market. So I would say capital is mobile. This is a global phenomenon that every public company is doing. To tax only green companies, I think, would make us less competitive. And I would say also in an era where we're trying to be more competitive, attract investments, any taxes on businesses is not a good outcome. Tout impôt sur les entreprises a des effets négatifs. Maintenant, Well, the finance minister or, or there had been signals sent that there would be things for workers and for students. So uh, whether or not it was a surprise, it was nice to see the concrete measures like interest rate forgiveness on student loans. I think the big surprise for me was the um, specific uh, emphasis on unions and workers. Um, you know, jobs has always been the broad category. but. I think the government's done a good job of recognizing the concerns uh, of Canadians and the, and the need for labor force and, and tying some of the big investment tax 
les problèmes de la population active et fait le lien entre les crédits d'impôt pour l'économie verte et de meilleurs investissements dans les travailleurs et les apprentissages et les apprentis, les programmes d'apprentissage. Tim, pour moi, il y avait trois, trois points, plus de dépenses que je ne m'attendais à voir. Deuxièmement, une stratégie qui est clairement conçue pour répondre aux défis lancés par les États-Unis qui se concentre sur l'énergie renouvelable et des incitatifs, donc ça c'était une bonne chose. Et troisièmement, comme a dit Susan, il y a une nouvelle bataille politique pour les votes des étudiants et des travailleurs. Le gouvernement se sent peut-être un peu vulnérable. Vous avez vu que Poilièvre, quand il a été élu, a été bien appuyé par ces secteurs-là, donc le gouvernement essaie de les attirer. J'étais un peu surpris de voir qu'il n'y avait pas d'aide pour les familles qui, qui font face à des hausses de prix importantes. Donc, rien sur le phénomène de l'inflation verte. Dans le secteur de l'épicerie, il y a des bénéfices qui continuent euh, à être à la hausse. Ce sont des milliardaires, trois milliardaires qui contrôlent presque tout le marché de l'épicerie et rien pour les empêcher d'augmenter leurs prix. Aucune taxe sur les bénéfices exceptionnels en et rien pour aider les familles qui, qui travaillent, qui avaient juste les moyens de joindre les deux bouts et qui maintenant ne parviennent plus à le faire. Les, les familles qui travaillent ont beaucoup de difficultés. Monsieur Poilier en parle beaucoup et se plaint beaucoup, mais ne présente aucune solution. Les néo-démocrates présentent des solutions, mais à part l'élimination de l'intérêt sur les prêts étudiants, ce que les néo-démocrates demandent depuis des années, je ne vois rien qui pourra que nous nous dirigeons uh, well, vers Michael, une récession. Merci, mais je, vais, je dirais à Tom qu'il y avait des choses pour aider les familles qui se tournent sur la TPS, qu'ils reçoivent demain les soins dentaires, les baisses des prix dans les frais de garderie. Mais oui, il y aura des difficultés économiques à l'avenir préparant à les affronter comme les autres économies du G7. Les gouvernements des banques centrales en parlent, et non seulement au Canada. Comme a dit Mme Freeland, le Canada se prépare et surveille la situation. C'est pour cela que c'est une mise à jour prudente et ils se sont laissés la marge nécessaire 
affronter les difficultés économiques qui pourraient se présenter et les mesures sont bien ciblées. Ils ciblent les familles à faible revenu et ils les entreprises avec des incitatifs pour qu'ils investissent dans l'économie et qu'ils créent des emplois. Mais il va falloir nous préparer. Il y a des problèmes dans les chaînes d'approvisionnement. Poutine est toujours fou. Il y a encore le confinement en Chine. La COVID n'a pas disparu. Quand il y a des problèmes d'offres dans l'offre et la demande, les prix montent. Est-ce que nous sommes dans une récession? Non. Nous pouvons faire face à deux trimestres de croissance négative. Le gouvernement essaie d'être prudent dans ce qu'il dit là-dessus. Nous allons voir. Si, en fait, les conservateurs ont raison, comme a dit Tom, où sont les mesures de soulagement plus larges, même les premiers ministres provinciaux et territoriaux demandent qu'on fasse une pause, qu'on suspende la taxe sur le carbone pendant un certain temps. Je ne critique pas Tom, mais les néo-démocrates, de façon générale, les néo-démocrates disent que les choses ont été très difficiles, mais ils et que ce n'est pas une mise à jour très bonne, mais il reste en partenariat avec les libéraux. Tom, je vais revenir à ce qu'a dit Susan, parce que, comme j'ai commencé par dire, il n'y avait rien pour les familles qui font face à l'inflation. Pendant que leurs salaires sont gelés, Susan a parlé de toutes sortes de bonnes mesures, et bien toutes les mesures qu'elle a citées, y compris la ristourne et les autres mesures ont été imposées par les néo-démocrates. Donc rien de tous les économistes sont plus ou moins d'accord qu'il y aura une récession, une récession frappante l'année prochaine. Nous avons perdu 200 000 emplois dans ce pays depuis le mois de mai. Aujourd'hui, Statistique Canada dit que le nombre de permis de construction ont chuté de 17 17,5 en un mois. Donc, pour les gens qui veulent des maisons, il faut qu'on construise des maisons. Donc, ce n'est pas une... Une bonne nouvelle, une des choses que les néo-démocrates ont insisté à avoir, c'est des réformes au système d'assurance-emploi. Là, il n'y a rien. On a vu pendant la dernière récession en 2020 que le système d'assurance-emploi n'a pas pu appuyer les travailleurs qui avaient des besoins. S'il y aurait une récession en 2023, nous aurons exactement le même problème. Comme beaucoup d'économistes ici, nous nous trouvons dans une récession l'année prochaine. Il faut gouverner de façon différente. Donc, quelle sera la position des libéraux 
trying to tell Canadians that they are there to support them, but also to, to navigate the country through an economic, a bad economic time, uh, potentially a recession. This is a fiscal economic statement. It's a fall update. It is not a full budget. What it is, is it's a report to Canadians on where the economy is, and it's the nuts and bolts always from the previous budget of earlier in the year. So we do have another budget that will come in 2023 distribuer de l'argent de façon people. insensée, so, I think this document ce qui crée des pressions inflationnistes. Donc, les mesures workers. sont ciblées, um, cibles les familles, cibles les familles à faible revenu, cibles également l'économie verte, la croissance du secteur vert et les incitatifs pour cela. Maintenant, est-ce que nous allons in the current Liberal government, how, how much they um, what kind of taste they have in their mouth. For Pierre Polyev's conservatives, that remains to be seen. It's a squeeze and a trust, I think, will come down. But more ways to go before Pierre the election, Poilier, I mm -hmm. Tim, what do you think in terms of a Tim, strategy, in terms of setting up uh, the government in, in governing during recessionary times? What do you think of this comment? update? Cette mise à jour aidera le gouvernement à naviguer à travers une récession. Vous savez, ce n'est jamais facile de naviguer à travers une récession. Et la mise à jour économique n'est qu'une composante dans le puzzle. On entend des autres. Enfin, vous savez, quelle sera la question Est-ce que les Canadiens vont estimer que les libéraux méritent de rester au pouvoir L'autre jour, la ministre des Finances a dit que les choses vont un peu mieux que dans les autres pays, mais si ce sera leur cri de campagne, ça ne va pas vraiment encourager les électeurs. Tom le mot de la fin. Well, the 23-24 budget, the 23-24 budget is too far away. Uh, the, the prediction of a recession is that it'll start setting in the spring. We've already seen, as I mentioned, the, the impact on jobs. We're seeing the impact on construction. So, uh, growth is just tripping away. La croissance ralentit, donc je ne sais pas si je suis d'accord avec ce que Je trouve pas qu'il est vraiment agile, je trouve qu'il trébuche souvent. Il se retrouve constamment dans des situations où ils doivent créer des mesures des mesures ponctuelles pour régler des problèmes ponctuels. Si on avait un bon système d'assurance-emploi, la PCU n'aurait pas été nécessaire. Donc, franchement, il faut agir avec un peu de prévision. Le gouvernement semble toujours regarder vers l'arrière et pas vers l'avant. Il faut avoir les yeux là où la rondelle sera et pas là où elle est déjà passée. 
qui sera intéressant de voir ce que le gouvernement va faire pour aider les familles qui souffrent des salaires bloqués et de l'inflation compliquée. Il sera bon de voir des mesures qui auraient pu être prises pour que Hey, well, on we'll est moins that. besoin uh, Susan, de lever les taux d'intérêt comme on a dû faire. Merci, merci Tom. Merci beaucoup. C'est toujours bon d'entendre cette Merci d'avoir été des nôtres au nom de tous nos collègues à l'antenne de CEPAC. Je suis Michael Serapio. À la prochaine.